High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. I'm going to jump right into it because I need to, just for time's sake. And I, I believe uh, I believe the Spirit's got somewhere He really specifically is trying to take us uh, tonight. So go with me in your Bibles. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple, a couple scriptures before we get to our story. Uh, but first scripture I want to give you tonight is 1 Timothy 4.12. Anyone know what 1 Timothy 4.12 says? Anyone? It's kind of one of those like key verses. No? Going once, going twice. Connor knows what it is. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was much younger. And Paul has pretty much commissioned Timothy to go off. Uh, and uh, he is pastoring. He is being he's an apostle. He says, let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech. Everyone say speech. speech. In conduct. There you go. In love. In faith and in purity. We're going to read it again. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Wonderful. So Paul's basically for the next few weeks, and really probably much like the entire month, um, we're going to be on this topic. And here's... Your topic. You ready? You excited? Drum roll, please. We are going to be basically trying to break down what it means and what it looks like for you to take the next step in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Because here's genuinely what I believe. This isn't like, oh, this will make a good series. This was not just, I like the graphic or this is going to be encouraging. This is 100% what I believe God is speaking specifically to this house. That it is time to go on the offensive. And for a long time here, the tactic that has been used against Gen Z is basically to keep you guys on the defensive. And so I would think a shift is going to happen here in your life and within this youth group, within this church, and then it'll trickle over into your schools and so on and so forth. But, I, but tonight I want to kind of lay some foundation and really explain to you guys that just because you are young, younger, relatively young, and who's... Any, uh, any 11-year-olds in here? Hanley, you just turned 11? 11? Anyone, anyone younger than 11? All right, nine-year-old. Hey, uh, who's oldest besides me? And besides Keith? Yeah, probably. I just needed to take a drink, so that's, called, that's just a tactic I use. Um, <laughs> so it... Regardless of your age, regardless of your grade, one thing that has really taken root within the church is that the church is meant for old people, and that the really the only place for teenagers, the only place for young adults is maybe move some stuff, and you just stay in your class. And we've really kind of adopted this mindset that like all the authority and all the power and all the offices and all these things are just meant for 30 plus people. And can I just tell you, I don't believe in that at all. 
Um, I've been asked several times when I'm going to stop being a youth pastor and just be a pastor. Um, I will do that whenever I feel like I have accomplished what God has put on my life to help Gen Z uh, overcome. And I am specifically talking about what I wholeheartedly believe God is saying to you tonight, to your generation. Okay? It's deep. So, 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, and love, faith, and purity. Now, if you really start to think about that, that is almost the opposite of what happens with young people. Typically, we get in the most trouble for our mouths, right? Everyone said amen. amen. Your conduct, your behavior, your love, your faith, your purity. If there's five things that most young people probably get in most trouble for, if you have Christian parents, Christian grandparents, or anything, those are typically things that we're like, we really got to watch them young kids because they mouths, they mouthy, they be acting wrong. We can't leave them alone with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. They ain't got no purity. But here, Paul is saying to Timothy, set an example for these things. Set an example. And he's not talking to set an example for the kids in kids' church. He's saying set an example for the older believers. He's saying set an example for the people that in this church that he's going to. He's saying if you want to win them over, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to set an example in your speech, your conduct, your purity, your love. What was that one? Faith. So that tells me that Paul knows that faith, that I'm sorry, that Paul knows that Timothy can set an example in all five of those things to people who are older than him. Guys, you can't set an example. I would not be a good example of a basketball player. If I went to one of the local high schools and went out there with the seniors and juniors and was like, I'm going to set an example of these kids on how to play this game, I'd make an awful example of how to do that. Right? It's okay. We can admit it. If Timothy, sorry, if Paul knew that Timothy was not capable of exceeding other people in those things, he wouldn't have told him to set an example for them. Which should tell every single young person here, you are not limited by your age. You are not meant to be hushed and put on the sidelines. It is the oldest trick in the book. I think it's something the, our enemy has been doing for generations. Has been trying to make sure that the younger generation stays quiet, stays silenced, and doesn't move. And if you want to do it later in your 30s and your 40s when you get revelation and all this other stuff and you've got money and all this stuff, he'll deal with you then. But one of the absolute most harmful thing that is happening to the church today is that your generation is being pacified. And I believe this with all my heart. That's why I've been doing youth ministry for almost for a long time. I, not just because I think teenagers are fun or cool. I mean, I do. I love all of you. But I wholeheartedly believe this. If I, did, if I died tomorrow, and if my legacy was simply that I helped your generation wake up, I'd be fine with it. Because I know that's the commission. And every, every person with a badge around their neck, that's your commission. As much as I love beating you at Foursquare and you beating me at Foursquare and dancing and singing and going to rock the universe and doing all this fun stuff, man, I love doing those things. But more than anything, I believe the call that's on your life. 
I believe that's the call in your life if you're in this room and you're 9 or if you're 10, if you're 11, if you're 18, if you're 19, if you're 20. Something that we, we quickly discount is that when every time, if you go through the history of the Bible, every time God has started something huge, he has started with young people. We'll go through this for the next few weeks. He calls Isaiah, when he's looking across the land, Isaiah answers the call. Jeremiah is young when he answers the call. David, a young shepherd boy, when he answers the call. When Jesus goes looking for disciples, who does he call? Teenagers. There is a reason why 2,000 years later, the enemy has put a huge emphasis on trying to make sure that you guys are quiet. Y'all just need to learn the basics. Y'all just need to stay in your own room. You just, you're the remnant. You're all that's left. You just need to hope that you make it through high school. And one day when you're an adult, then you can really start doing the things the Bible tells you to do. You just need to worry about getting your grades, being good, going to college, get a job, find your spouse, get some kids, and then, then you can start doing stuff for God. That is the lie. That is what's got to end here tonight. When I, um, when I became a father for the first time with Jackson... I was terrified. Um, if you don't know, um, Jackson was born in six years ago, um, 2017. Everyone knows that. Jackson was born in 2017, and we, I was 23, 23. Who's 23 in here? Anyone 23? Anyone 23? No, no one? Okay, I was Jason's age. So I was Jason's age when I became a dad for the first time. And I remember specifically... As a parent, you start to have these very, very specific moments. And we, me and Becca were in an airport. We were at Love Field in Dallas. And we had just flown from, I believe, Orlando to Dallas. Went to go see my family so my, my grandparents and everyone could meet the baby. And I was in Love Field. And Jackson is literally like the size of a Chipotle burrito. I mean, he is like this big. I can't do anything for him. He is... I can't feed him. Like, he is like a bomb to me, like at any foul movement, and it's just gonna pow. And we're in the airport, and he's in the carrier, and I'm like rocking it, and me and Becca are sitting, you remember this? And Becca's like, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay. And as soon as she disappears, Jackson starts screaming like something out of The Exorcist. I mean, just, he used to get these gas pains, y'all. I'm not exaggerating. He used to get these gas pains that were just blood-curdling screams. And it was the scariest moment of my life because here I am looking like a psychopath with this child in front of me in this carrier, and he is screaming to death, and it's just me. And I'm like, Becca, 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 I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. Jackson did not take a pacifier. We tried. I tried to give him the pacifier. Nothing. So I take him out of the carrier, and the only thing, this is, how, this is how lame I am, this is the only thing I knew to do. I don't know songs, I don't know nursery rhymes, I don't know anything. And I put Jackson right here, and I start going, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q. And I sing the alphabet probably 26 times. You remember this? And Becca came back, and I'm like walking the rows like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And Jackson's completely quiet. And she's like, you want me to take him? I'm like, no. Like, I figured this out. <laughs> this is the proudest moment of my life that my child is being soothed by me singing the ABCs. 
And the whole time on the airplane, when set, I mean, I would not let go of this baby because I figured out how to pacify him. I was like, this is, this is awesome. I have conquered this child. I tell you that story because I want you to realize that I think the same thing happened to your generation. Satan quickly realized even how ridiculous it is. He has realized how to pacify you. He has realized that as long as we, as long as technology is cool, your iPhones are great, Snapchat's full of stuff, vapes are easy to get a hold of, and that stuff's good and you don't need anything else. I've often said this as in my time as a youth pastor, every single person, you have the ability, you have a strong, strong anointing to do something that most generations never could have done. Most generations have always had to bow and a lot of yeses have been said to God simply because there was not a lot of other options on the table. Hear me, I'm not discounting old, other people and other generations, yes. But what I am saying, that your generation more than anyone else has had the ability to say no, and no one would care. No one, no one cares. We have reached the point where you as a young person, if you walk away from the Lord and you start living like the world, the world's not going to think anything of it. You're not going to be shunned by society. Your friends aren't going to think you're weird. In fact, it's the complete opposite. And so in a world where there are limitless options, your ability and your power to say yes to Jesus makes it more impactful. Because when you have the ability to choose so many other things and you still choose Jesus, and you still choose holiness, you still choose purity, you still set an example in your love, your faith, and your conduct your speech, that's a much more powerful yes. Do you get what I'm saying? It's a much more powerful yes. Because in the mid, you have other options. When you have two options, you have A or B and you choose A, cool. But when you have A all the way through Z and Q, I, whatever they all are, you can be anything. You could show up tomorrow at school and be a cat zombie person and everyone just accept you. But man, man, where are the young people that would as boldly claim Jesus as, as, as some of your friends and your peers claim just the wackiest stuff known to man? I mentioned um, Isaiah a few minutes ago. So I gave you 1 Timothy 4.12. I want to read to you this verse in Isaiah 6.8. If you have your Bible app, I want you to highlight this verse. I want you to read it regularly. For one, you should do the same thing with 1 Timothy 4.12. Isaiah 6.8 should do the exact same. Isaiah 6.8, it says this. The story goes that, that, that God is basically looking across the earth. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and will go for us? Then I said, I, I said, I said, this is Isaiah speaking, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. This is the kind of anointing, this is the kind of availability, and to just put it to you bluntly, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying over your generation. Whom can I send? Whom can I send? And most of us, we just stay quiet 
And we're just kind of content to be like, well, I've been attending church, and sometimes I clap. <laughs> and a lot of us fall victim to this mentality and this mindset, well, that as long as I'm not like them, I'm not as bad as the rest of them, I'm good. In the same way, just because darkness has gotten darker, it does not give us the ability to say, well, I'm not, as, I'm, not as, I'm not deep into the darkness as they are. That doesn't mean you're in the light. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. But I believe the Spirit of God is looking over this generation. I believe he's in this room tonight with the same exact thing, saying, whom can I send? But most of us, we're just content playing defense. We're content playing defense, and God's looking for people to go on the offensive. The church has been on the defensive for years, probably decades now. We have been so scared to say anything. We've been so scared to come outside of our walls. We've been so scared. We just like, let's just, we, let's just control what we can control. We can control what happens within the church. So let's, the, the model flipped some whatever years ago to where the church went here and we went into the world and then we met together to, hey, let's just try to bring everyone in here. We can control it. We can say what we want to say. We can control the ministry. We can control the altar. We can do what we want, say what we want without feeling judgment. We can do and say what we want without feeling fear of anyone else watching. But man, if I threw up a youth service in the courtyard of your high school, I wonder how many of us would pray and worship the same way. I wonder how many of us would respond to an altar then. I wonder what would be different if different eyes were looking at us. Somewhere along the way, we got content and we got trapped. And I don't, and hear me, we just talked about this two weeks ago. The, gen, the, the test that generations before you have failed is the same test you have to pass right now. I beg of you to pass this test because generation after generation after generation have failed it. We have, generations have been failing this test. And if you fail it, it'll go to the next generation. And I'll be having the same conversation with my kids. When will a generation wake up? When will a generation decide we're going to pass this test? And not just keep things as a status quo. When are we going to be the ones to say enough is enough? Do you understand what I'm saying to you tonight? This is, I, I'm not, I don't preach a message to you this evening just so that you feel like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm, I, I feel good. I, my message to you tonight is not that I want you to feel good. My message to you tonight is that I want you to be the catalyst in the turning of something that has been long dormant. Most of you know the story of David and Goliath, right? No? You okay? You must say something really like inappropriate to wake you up? Okay, then. Usually if I start making people uncomfortable, they're like, oh, okay, I'll put it on my phone. Right? I can do that. I can do that. But part of the reason that we... Part of the reason we have to have this conversation is because your generation can be in the same room of the Spirit of God and still be completely enamored with our phones. And just be like, well... Eh, maybe I'll get prayed for it later. 
It always amazes me how much people can sit through a service and be in their own world, but the moment music or the lights go down or someone else starts crying, all of a sudden we're just completely invested like we've been here the whole time. Can I just tell you, God could do so much more in your life if you just quit with the distractions. Some of you are your own worst enemy, and they're like, well, God's not doing anything. God doesn't move in my life like theirs. Well, they're not scrolling TikTok through service. Well, God's not doing in my life what he's doing in theirs. Well, maybe they're worshiping not based upon their circumstance. I am ready to go forward. I am ready to go on the offensive. Pastor Garrett, why are you doing the internship? To train up some kids to go on the offensive. Why are you doing Color Wars? To give you an opportunity to go on the offensive. Why are we doing Movement Conference? To give you an opportunity to go on the offensive. Why we do all this stuff? Ain't for me. Ain't for this church. We got a great staff here. Does great things. I don't need you in here to do anything I can't do. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I can't do. What I am going to do is give you the opportunity to do what I cannot do. And that is be the voice and be the decision makers for your generation. That is what I'm trying to do is at least give you the opportunity to say, here, the water is here. Drink from it. I can't do it for you. But man, I'm going to do everything I can, and this team will do everything we can to at least give you the opportunity to pass the test that other generations have, for, so for whatever reason, chosen to fail over and over and over and over again. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, so I can get to this story. Like I said, this is a story um, of David and Goliath. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Um, most of you have probably heard some variation of this story. You probably know that uh, David's, or sorry, you probably know that Goliath is a giant. You probably know that David kills him. And you probably know that David is a wee little man, maybe a shepherd. Most people know that he has a slingshot, and that's usually typically how the story goes. I'm going to pick up in verse 31 what has happened up to this point is Israel and the Philistines are going to war. And for 40 days, this giant named Goliath has stood on top of a mountain overlooking the armies of Israel and challenged the armies of Israel, basically saying, send me somebody to fight. We'll settle this one-on-one, one-v-one, let's go. I win, we'll be your, 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 your subject to us. You win, we'll be subject to you. Basically calling out all these dudes. Who's going to do it? And for 40 days... He shouts and defies the armies of Israel. David, who's already been anointed to be king, but is still back at his dad's house taking care of sheep because he's a child, basically, probably about 13, maybe even younger at this point, ends up going to the battlefield because his dad sends him because his older brothers are there fighting and sends, his, sends young David to the field with some cheese and some food. He basically says, take this to your brothers, take this to the king, make sure they're doing okay. <clears throat> this is what happens when David shows up. Young David, teenager David. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for them. I'm sorry, I skipped a part. So David shows up, realizes what is happening, and basically says, I'll kill him. So that's when it says, when these words that David spoke 
Basically, David saying he'd take care of the giant. They reached them before Saul, King Saul, the king of the army. And David said to Saul, the king, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight the Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. You are not able to go out before the Philistine because you are just a child. You are just a teenager. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. Sounds like a dude who knows to be on the offensive. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. You imagine grabbing a lion by his beard? Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Verse 38. Have I lost you yet? Yeah. What color was the bear? If you weren't confused, there's a problem. Bear had no color, y'all. It's okay. Some of you are stressing. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. So Saul puts his armor on David. Anyone want to take a quick guess on why Saul puts his armor on David? So to think it's Saul. So if David wins, he gets the credit. Good job, Justice. Gold star. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail and David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Verse 41, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with this shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the fields. Then David said to the Philistine, y'all watch this, this guy has some boldness. We're talking about a teenager in the face of a giant that's been defying the armies of the living God for 40 days. I lost my spot. Where am I at? 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Just said it a few minutes ago. God's about his glory. That all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And that at this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Short story, David goes out, throws a rock in his forehead, chops off his head. And then the army runs away and the Israelites chase him down and kill all of them. Let me illuminate something for you real quick before we end tonight. Goliath was never given the ability nor the power to overcome the army of Israel. 
I often quote the verse in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Goliath was never going to prosper. But what happens is we bow to intimidation. For 40 days, Goliath didn't prosper. He didn't swing a sword, didn't kill anybody, didn't fight anybody. But for 40 days, he intimidated. And the intimidation was enough to keep an entire army, dudes literally trained, built for war. It was enough to keep them on the sideline, keep them pacified, keep them in their tents for 40 days until a young kid shows up and says, I ain't going to do it. He's defying, the, he's defying God. And God will make sure that this man's taken care of. David had a kind of boldness in him that, that has been lost for a long time. See, a lot of us, we have a what-if kind of faith. You know what I'm talking about? We have a what-if kind of faith. And we come to altars and we come to church. And we have a faith. Sorry, I've been talking to the Rutherford football team about this. We have a faith that is, well, what if God doesn't do it? What if God doesn't deliver me, deliver me from anxiety? What if he doesn't deliver me from depression? What if, he, what if I don't get filled with the Spirit? What if, what if a leader doesn't see me and I don't get prayed for? What if, I, what if tomorrow I'm still dealing with the same thing? What if, what if the giant kills me? What if the suicidal thoughts come back tomorrow night? What if the guilt comes back tomorrow and I'm by myself? What if, what, what, what if I try to call a leader? And see, we have this what if kind of faith and our faith is totally contingent upon our what ifs. And what if has got to shift to even if. I've been telling the Rutherford football team this for the past couple weeks. What if has got to shift to an even if kind of faith. Even if Goliath kills me, I will go down swinging. Even if the temptations come back, I'll fight again. Even if some leader doesn't come pray for me, I'm getting down to that altar. Even if I don't feel anything, I believe that God's doing something. See, what if has got to change to even if? And if that will happen, some crazy, bold young people start rising up in a generation that is dying. But if it's just what if, guys, and if it's just what if this and what if that and what if this and what if that, and it's not even if, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defied the Nebuchadnezzar's king and said, well, we're not doing it. We'll go in there. And even if... Even if God doesn't show up, we know we're doing what's right. Even if I miss with this slingshot, I know I'm doing what's right. Even if I sink in this water, I'm getting out of this boat. I can do this all day. It's got to change from what if to even if. And if you're in that, in that, you will find that God will do some miraculous things. But man, if we just keep towing around on, well, I just, I'm not sure what if it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if it comes back? What if I mess up again? What if I start dating and I slip up again? And man, we just, we live in this constant hesitation of things that don't have the authority to prosper over you, but you are just too intimidated by it. It says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Weapons will form against you all your life. It doesn't say that they won't appear. It doesn't say they won't talk to you. It doesn't say that they're not going to stare you in the eye. It says they won't prosper. Goliath was simply prospering because the intimidation was working. His appearance was enough. And the Israelites were giving Goliath prosperity over them because they were choosing it. 
Can I tell you right now, the anxiety, the depression, the suicide, the homosexuality, all of these things are prospering in your life simply because you're giving it the ability to do so because you're more terrified of it? Young men, you are more, you're terrified of it. That's what's giving its ability. That is what's giving it its strength in your life is your fear of it. It's not because it's so strong and you just, your weak little teenage boy can't overcome temptation. That's not true. That's not true. But we're terrified of the things that beat us. And we're terrified to talk about them. Caitlin, you all can come up because I will keep going all night because I am passionate about this. We are going to go after this for the next however many weeks it takes because I am ready to see this generation I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about your generation. Begin a shift that is so desperately needed. So desperately needed. Spirit of God is roaming the earth saying, whom can I send? Well, you can't send me, God. I've been, I've been messing up for too long. I can't answer this altar call. He doesn't know what I did with my boyfriend a month ago. I can't, I, he ain't talking about me. I still struggle. He, he ain't talking about me. I'm not there yet. It's going to have to be one of them church kids that's been here their whole life. He ain't talking about me. He doesn't know what I did, what I struggle with. I'm just trying not to cuss. Your shame is just an intimidation factor. That guilt is just an intimidation factor. And the exact same thing that is happening to your generation was happening to the army of Israel. Just a big dumb oaf standing up going, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? And I, after 40 days, I wholeheartedly believe that after 40 days, they had toned him out. I mean, 40 days is a long time. They had just gotten used to it at that point. They were like, hey, we could just live with this. We could just act like this. This ain't my job. That's Saul's problem. I didn't come here to fight no giant one-on-one. And the excuses start pouring in. Start pouring in. Until a teenage boy shows up one day and is like, I'll be the one. Because if God is who he says he is, I'm going to win. And if I don't win, even if I don't win, I still trust God. What if has got to change to even if? You guys are bound by an intimidation factor. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But if you are giving it authority because you're terrified of it, you're, too, you're, you're more scared of your pornography problem. You're more scared of your depression. You're more scared that someone would find out. You're too scared that, man, I'm, if Pastor Garrett were to find out, he's going to tell my parents. And that's the last thing I ever want to happen. It's fine. I'll wait for the next generation. And so will God. Because what past generations have failed to do, <coughs> somebody eventually is going to have to be the one to say, enough is enough. 
I think it's yours. I believe it's yours because you have the strongest yes possible. In a world where you could do anything, be anything, act like anything, choosing Jesus now, choosing Jesus now, when things look as dark as they do in your generation, man, it's not gonna take much. It doesn't take a whole lot of light to light up a dark room. Can I get my leaders down front? This is how we're gonna end tonight. This is an activation. This is a commissioning. You come down to the front tonight, this isn't just so that we can pray for you and you can maybe feel cool or nice or anything other than that. Because these guys up here and some of these that are behind me, this is a remnant of a generation that has not done things so well. My generation has not done things so well. But tonight is about one thing. Tonight is about switching from defense to offense, from quit playing and hiding in the tent, bowing to intimidation, bowing to shame and guilt. Some of you are, are trapped by this mindset. They're like, well, one day when I overcome this, then I can do it. When I overcome this, when I quit doing this with this person, when I don't feel bad for this, when I can quit cussing, when I can quit doing this, and we just have this constant list of, well, I just have to wait. Wrong. The waiting is over. And like Isaiah said to the Lord, here I am, send me. That's what I want your response to be. And hear me, guys, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm not, this isn't to get you riled up so that you'll come to church. I, I want you to be the church out there. I want you to be the church at, at, at your school, at your job, in your home. We do church well in here. I want you to be the church out there. I want the kingdom to go forward. If you will, stand with me. I'm going to pray. If you're in the room and this is simply the call somebody's got to shut Goliath up and Goliath has been talking for a lot longer than 40 days he's been using intimidation factors and fear factors for, for, for decades and nobody has risen up and told him to shut his mouth nobody has had the, the, the boldness to say you come against the armies of the living God. No one's been brave enough. No one has just said, no matter what, even if I fail, I'm gonna try it. And so the call is going out to you tonight. Whom can I send to slay Goliath? Because Goliath must fall. He's destined to fall. If that's you in the room, I want you to come down front. I want you to stand in front of your leaders. If you would be brave enough, if you'd be bold enough, and you'd be honest enough to say, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll, 
I'll let go all this other stuff. I'll let go all this other mess. Here I am. You can send me. Faith is going to change from, from what if to even if. Not bearing someone else's armor. And guys, if there's if the, all the leaders are full, if you'll just stand kind of up front behind them, they'll get to you, okay? I promise. Don't feel like because they're all busy now that you're not going to get to one of them. So, Father, we come before you tonight, and as a generation, God, we want to pass the test. As a generation, we say, here we are, God, send us. Send high praise. Send us into Rutherford. Send us into Mosley. Send us into Bozeman, into North Bay. Send us into every retail store. Send us to every event. The Spirit of God is not roaming across the earth. He's not roaming across this room looking for someone perfect. He's not looking for you to, to, to have it all together. He's just looking for someone to say, here I am, God, send me. I'll do it. You know, you know me more than anyone. You know my failures more than anyone, but you can send me. I'll do it. Even if I fail, I'll do it. Even if I get scared, even if it doesn't happen the way I think it's going to happen, I'll do it. I'll go to the furnace. I'll face the giant. Holy Spirit, we come before you tonight and ask that you would fill every student down here at the front. Lord, I pray that a shift would happen in the supernatural. Where we would quit hiding in our tents, being intimidated by a voice that has no right to prosper, has no ability to prosper over us. And we come before the defiler, we become before our enemy. And we come before the Spirit of God tonight to shut the mouth of the lion. We come right now, Holy Spirit, we come on the offensive. We are taking ground here tonight. There are anointings being poured out here this evening. There are, there are, your Spirit is going to be poured out. And the kingdom is going to go forth. God, I pray that other churches would grow because of what you start here in this ministry. I don't just care if this ministry grows. God, I pray for every youth group in this county that they would begin to see an outpouring of your spirit that students all across every school would be finding themselves in churches all across this county. Stir up your spirit. Stir it up in us, Jesus. Activate us. Commission us. Here we are. And the way you sent Isaiah, send us, Jesus. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a, a young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way. And God bless.